everyone. Welcome to Movie Fools with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Wow, that, uh, <laughs> all that momentum just flew out the window. <laughs> you could say that we uh, squandered all potential, much like our topic today. Much like our topic today. It's as if, um, after you set up something so amazing, I didn't need to exist at all. That's true. You didn't need to exist because I was here and I was rocking the roost. Ka-ka-ka-ka. It's like it's like you were directed by uh, let's say Harold Ramis, um, and I was directed by Robert not, Klein. Not Harold Ramis. You're directed by Robert Klein, right? Was it? Could you say you are like beating a dead body repeatedly? Uh, I think I'm more like a dead body that is dancing. Because the sequel, for some reason, introduced straight-up fucking magic. Oh, 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 it's magic. <laughs> the Gathering. <laughs> well, we can get on to We can beat this joke to death all day, or we can get on oh, to death. discussions and stuff. Steve, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Um, not really anything new with me. Um, just poking Same. around, uh, waiting to hear to see whether or not I'm going to be a guest at a convention. If not, I'm going to try to go to another convention. And, uh, yeah, a few orders online for Red Christmas, which was nice. And I uh, hope that movie keeps on slightly spreading slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, it will spread like AIDS. Um, I did spend $12 on a terrible... Mighty Morphin Power Ranger movie figure, which I'll bring up since we talked about that film and how much I don't like the suits or anything about the movie. But I like Red Rangers, and it's another Red Ranger. Cool. And he has a Robocop helmet. Put him in your collection of Rockies. <laughs> All of my Rockies. You should, put, you, should get a, you should buy one of NECA's Rocky figures and then put a helmet on him. <laughs> That's actually funny. I like that. There's all my Rocky Power Rangers. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great. Um... Not a whole lot's going on since we last recorded. Now, this has been a slow news week for not only actual Hollywood, but also us. It's true. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by your continuing uh, tale of trying to get a table at a convention. <laughs> I love how much work you have to go to just to get like a you know small table. A small table. Small table, something. <laughs> at a small convention. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. What other convention are you looking at? I didn't know you were looking at something Oh, uh, well... The same weekend as the Steel City Con, that's basically... Oh, that's right. You mentioned um, that. I yeah. Yeah, yeah, I But that. also in May, there's some small con that's just starting up, and it's their first con ever, so I'm sure it won't be that great. Uh, but it's also cheap, and I probably wouldn't really have any competition, and they're offering to pay me money to dress up in my Spider-Man costume one of the days so the kids can get pictures with me. Well, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah, so I would only have to, like, sell, I think, like, fucking seven DVDs to actually break even on the booth. I don't know how much a hotel would be, but I'm guessing... Since it's in the middle of nowhere, it'd be like 60 bucks a night or something. Well, as long as it has a good pool, and we, you can hear a pool review from Steve, I'm set. Uh, how, I love pools so much. I love to go play swim. Play swim is the best. Because then you're <laughs> like, aha, I'm dodging the bullets like in the Matrix. But I'm not in the Matrix. I'm in this pool, splish splash. Uh, that's exactly what I do every time. Bill knows. Bill has swam with me many times. Well, anyways, anyway, speaking of horrible <laughs> things that never get brought up, uh, some fun reports are coming out that the uh, Insidious Sinister are building a Marvel-style shared horror universe. Really weird. Why? Um, one of the uh, apparently South by Southwest is going on, and one of the new uh, news sites uh talked to uh the executive producer uh and founder of Blumhouse, uh Jason Blum. I think it was Blum and not Bloom, because there's no umlaut. Apparently his they are they're the ones also making Unfriended, which mm-hmm. that looks hilarious. Yeah, it looks really funny. It's not supposed to be. But you know what my favorite part of VHS was the Skype conversation. So that let's was recorded make a onto it to VHS. About like eight kids in a Skype conversation. Perfect. Perfect. It's probably cheap because they could probably film. They probably could film all that in like one studio, one sound studio. Just make like four little cubicle rooms, and boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. And we probably cost like two fifty, and it'll probably make uh, seven hundred million dollars. Probably. Woo! Modern horror where boo scares bring <laughs> in the boo bucks. <laughs> 
Oh, that's a great line, actually. I'm sure some executive <laughs> producer said that, and that was that was true. And then 15 years later, they're filthy, stinking rich. Yep. But no, he's talking about how they've been planning Easter eggs in each movies and everything, kind of connecting everything. And I, wow, of all the universes that need to be connected, Insidious and Sinister. At yeah. top of the list. Top of the list. Like I was telling Steve, it's like so. At the end of Insidious Three, the Bagul will show up and be like, "Hey, kid, I need to recruit you for the jump scare initiative." And then he jump scares the kid. Right, right. They start jump scaring each other. Each other. They each has an orchestra on their like respective sides of the room, and those orchestras just keep playing stings. Yeah. As they like jump at each other. I hope people are visualizing the comic gold I am generating right now. <laughs> um, it's it's just a weird decision, and like it's not that weird. I kind of appreciate you know a creator that owns two different franchises to be like, yeah, they take place in the same universe. Who gives a fuck? It's I guess it's more so the fact that he's trying to straight up emulate Marvel with a shared universe. Um, because that sort of stuff only works when like characters are iconic. Like, you know, the Marvel characters are iconic, Batman, Superman, iconic, Godzilla and King Kong, Dracula, Frankenstein, Freddy, Jason, you know, these are all iconic characters. Um, and also in the case of, like, say, Marvel and DC, the universes started with this in mind. You know, the fact that they're just kind of now making this decision with Insidious 3 and Sinister 2 makes it like they're just trying to make something fit that wasn't supposed to fit. Well, I think shared universe is the buzzword that's been in Hollywood in, like, the last, I guess, maybe five, maybe ten years now. Yeah. I guess there was, no, I guess it wouldn't be that long. Maybe 2008 is really when Marvel started really, really putting yeah. it out there. So, I guess past seven years. And since then, it's, like, everything. Because, like, we talked about Universal, when they make their shared universe, there's this. Feels like everybody is just trying to, like, I think that's going to be the new glut thing, is just, like, shared universe movies and, and properties. Like, like, I, like, there's, um... What's the show on ABC that Disney makes? Uh, Ever after is that the one? Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Sorry, sorry. No yeah, problem. That, yeah. It has all their different like fan like story shared universe thing. The mm-hmm. Shield with the Marvel movies, of course. The DC's um, shows between Arrow and Flash and everything yeah. else there. And yeah, shared universes. Well. I mean, it is a thing that kind of works. I mean, that's one of the things I like about comics is the fact that everything takes place in the same world, but they're all their own individual stories. So mm-hmm. I get the appeal, but I don't know. Not everything needs that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, because one thing made money, and of course Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood has to jump on that and try to make money. Yeah, all the money, even though audiences can get burned out pretty quickly. But I've been saying that for ten years, and superhero movies are still being churned out. I guess we could say 15 years now, because since 99-ish, I guess. Yeah. When things are being uh, pumped out there. but So, yeah, well, we can look forward to the the Sinister-Sidious crossover film. Sinister versus Insidious. Sinister V. X versus Sever Ballistics. I I fucked up that title. Um, (laughs) Ballistics. X versus Sever to Insidious v. Sinister Dawn of Horror <laughs> Un- Vers- uh, versus Sinister Ash Unfriended Insidious Oh, that's terrible That's one time. Why would, why would he do that? Insidious, but the Pugul got on Skype and called it the called up Insidious and he was like, hey man, what's up? And then the kid just stood there and then jump scare <laughs> Oh, this 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 sucks. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, better news. Um, as everyone knows, everyone who talks to me about films coming up this summer knows uh, my most anticipated film is Mad Max Fury Road. George Miller's back in the driver's seat, and Tom Hardy. Uh, everything practical cars exploding everywhere. Uh, it's great. I went and saw Chappie last week, and for the first time, I got to see the Fury Road trailer on the big screen. It was amazing. That's cool. Really That's something excited. I would really like to experience. Is oh. Those films on the big screen. Yeah. So that that trailer is fantastic. Um, on my computer, on the big screen, you got the Verde music playing, you got fucking sandstorm storm tornadoes blowing up cars. Looks great. Well, the news of that in regards is that the NPA has slapped an R rating on it, 
which for me means quality. Yeah, that's great fucking news. Because I mean, that they're telling the story that they want to tell, and they aren't cutting anything back just to get that magical PG thirteen rating. Yeah, that's one thing I always worry when something's coming out. I really care about that's from a franchise that, or a property that should be rated R, is well, is it gonna be PG thirteen? <laughs> Because mm-hmm. that's what studios want, even though it's proven to be to not work at this point. I think it's been pretty pretty proven not to work. Uh, but fun fact from like these NPA ratings, um, apparently Mordecai is getting has been re, uh, has been given a new rating. Okay. For an edited version. So I I don't know if like the ver because I I think you might know that that film bombed horrifically. <laughs> um. So I don't know if the the DVD release is going to be a PG thirteen release to try to hope that that like the rated R like the rated R version theaters was what was turning people off. Not, yeah, that was the problem. That was the problem. Not not Johnny Depp, not the marketing for that movie. <laughs> not the marketing at all. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah, uh, Mad Rox, Mad Max Fury Road rated R for intense sequences of violence throughout and for disturbing images. I'm surprised not to see like nudity or. Something else in that listing. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm not saying I have to have nudity. Yeah, it doesn't so. need that. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they would just cover that up, and then the movie comes out, and there, there's dicks everywhere. Yeah, that, that's what George Miller should go for. Go for the dick market. <laughs> All dicks. Well, that, that gets into whole weird things in the MPA, that if you want to have a side thing about how you can show all sorts of things, but you can't show, like, dicks and other... It's weird. Weird shit with the NPA. But yeah, Radar uh, gets my excitement levels going. Come May 15th, I'm, I might be leaving work early to go see it because I haven't been excited, that excited for a movie since Dread came out. Oh, wow, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're like this pumped for the movie. Oh, I'm super pumped. I love the Mad Max franchise. I mean, as much problems as Beyond Thunderdome has, I still really love it. Mm-hmm. So I am, yeah, that's my, like I said, that's my most anticipated movie this year. But some people have Avengers, some people have Star Wars. Man, me, it's me. It's Fury Road, and I really hope that movie delivers. Do you think that they're going to incorporate stuff from the sequels, or th- or is this going to be more like the first Road Warrior? Well, I think um, I haven't gotten super deep into it because I want to be surprised from it. But apparently, uh, Mel Gibson has a cameo in it as Max from the other films. So oh, that's awesome! Supposedly, I don't know if that's changed, um, but I, at least his character. I know I'm pretty sure it's still con- still confirmed that he's going to have cameo in it. So it's just a matter if is if Tom Hardy's character is Max like earlier like something before Road Warrior, but but at the beginning of the trailer, the interceptor that Max drives shot all the you know Mad Max and beginning of Road Warrior, he's he's driving it before it gets blown up. So I don't know if this is this is its new continuity or something else. Yeah, even if it even if it's like a complete kind of maybe starts maybe the film itself is a sequel to mad max not necessarily anything to do with road warrior beyond thunderdome like this is like a like a different path to take the franchise to kind of reboot it but still have it in that same universe yeah kind of like what ghostbusters could could have done yeah so if it goes that route i'm perfectly fine as long as it's a good movie it doesn't have to necessarily be in continuity with the other films because even then stuff um i guess mad max and road warrior did follow but Beyond Thunderdome didn't exi- necessarily absolutely have to follow Road Warrior, so mm-hmm. so then go any re- any way with it. And I, I, as long as it's a good movie, really, that's all that matters to me. It doesn't have to adhere to any strict continuity. It, like I, like I feel Ghostbusters kind of needs to to be to be to be that film. I think that's the difference. Cause I'm sure someone could point out saying how I'm, I'm giving a pass to Mad Max, but not to Ghostbusters or something. And right. I feel like Ghostbusters is just a different beast all entirely. And also, I feel that. Everything with this Mad Max remake, reboot, relaunch, whatever, is pretty in line with the themes of all of the Mad Max movies. Yeah, I think the only difference is that this film is seeming that world the world collapsed on a, as a as a result of no water, while the other the previous three films is a lack of oil and mm-hmm. gasoline. Yeah, an energy crisis, I should say. Right. So I don't know if that's just a trailer or what. So it'll be really interesting to see where that goes. Maybe it's maybe yeah. It could just be a, a slightly different plot, but like the same reasoning. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's it for really news this week. Um, oh, we, well, had, we got some trailer stuff to talk about. Yeah, that's about. exactly. I was about to. I was gonna lead into that because uh, this isn't, trailers aren't totally news, but um, either way. Uh, so I had not seen. There's a film coming out called Clown. 
Uh, either produced or directed by. It's directed by John Watts. It's produced by Eli Roth. That's why it kind of has a name on it right now. Um, I didn't see a trailer for it back in January when it came out, when some trailers dropped for it. But this past week, um, many horror sites are posting the the new trailer for the film Clown, saying if this clown film doesn't scare you, or it's going to make you peer pants, or it's the scariest thing since Pennywise... So I said, yeah, try okay. watching this without pissing your pants. Try watching it without pissing your pants. Okay, so I, I watched it. Uh, I also <laughs> watched it with Steve here on, when we were talking on Skype last week. And uh, I laughed. I laughed really hard. It's, uh, it's hilarious. They basically made a horror movie based off the clowning episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yes. So I hope at the end of this film they end up freezing themselves and so they can find a cure for clowning. That would be amazing. But no, it's like this man apparently has a, the skin of a demon in his basement. Of course. <laughs> that, 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 that's apparently a clown costume that he puts on because they don't get a clown for his kid's birthday. Right, right. The clown cancels, so this dude goes into his basement to find anything in this basement. Um, and I guess he so happens to find this demon skin that is a clown costume for some reason. And he starts turning into a clown. And he starts and apparently turning. he has to kill five kids, one for every month of winter. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Peter Stormare is in this movie just talking about demon shit. Like, does Great. he have to kill the kids all at once, or can it be spaced out? It reminds me of 555. Like, there's five murders, like... Uh, like Yes, I love 555. Every five days for five weeks, I think that was it. Yes. Shit. It's been a while since I've seen 555, but I remember being like... A lot of fives being really important. No, no, it's five people over five days, and we never could quite figure out what the third five is supposed to stand for. Me neither. <laughs> um, it's, like, it's like, what? Uh, well, with, at least with 555, it's just like a crazy dude. It's always weird to me when, like, any of these supernatural movies have really weird ar- arbitrary rules that have to happen. I know. Like, like he has to kill five kids. Excuse me, uh, when is a kid considered to no, no longer be a kid? Are we going by, like, federal law? Like, if I kill a 17-year-old, is it cool, or do I have to go by state law, and I have to go to, like, 16 and under? This remind, that just always goes back to reminding me of John Landis in Gremlins 2, where he's complaining. No, not John Landis. Um, Leonard Malton. I don't know why I screwed that up. Sorry. <laughs> in my brain. Um, John Landis is a murderer. Leonard Malton just writes, is a, just writes books about movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Leonard Malton is sitting there talking about Gremlins, Gremlins the film, inside Gremlins 2, compla- you know, doing the whole, like, What's after midnight? What's this? What's that? Da, da, da. Yeah. Because Gremlins 2 is really meta and really great. You can't feed them after midnight, but it's always after midnight. Yeah. When does it stop being after midnight? Take, take into account daylight savings time? <laughs> Do they follow daylight savings time? I don't but, know. Uh, clown. Um, so the guy, like, apparently, like, the like fake nose he puts on is stuck to him. He has to rip that off. It doesn't grow back, so he just looks like he has like a scarred up red nose. Yeah, it never heals, which is weird. His skin turns pale, and his hair <laughs> like you can't get the wig off too. So he has to cut it really short. So he has like this rainbow colored, like short nappy hair, and <laughs> his hands start growing. His feet start growing. I'm like, I'm like, this is the fucking clowning episode. It straight up is. I'm waiting for him to start speaking in honks. <laughs> but, like, his wife chains him downstairs, and, like, this is the part I lose it in the trailer. His son comes home, he's like, Hey, there's my number one birthday boy. It's the worst voice, and the delivery of the line is so fucking funny. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm, so, I'm yeah, it's going to be comedy of the year, 2015. I'm probably going to see this movie, because it looks hilarious. I completely agree. I have to go to a theater and see people get upset by this. Yeah, I can't wait to hear everyone talk about how scary it is when it's fucking funny the whole time, just like It was. Oh, you know what? Apparently, I, I, I must be I'm kind of dumb, I guess, because this movie's already out, at least in um, other areas. Well, I'm sure, like, when the first trailer came out in January, like, I'm sure that was, like, when they were... When they were like first finished and they were trying to oh, no, it sell came, it. Oh no! You want to know? Uh, actually, it came out in Italy in 2014. Oh well. In November of 2014, it came out in Italy. I should uh, I should import a copy of that and just watch it in Italian and see if it's any better. Okay, let's do this. At least I think it's, no, it, no. It looks like it's no English. I mean, that's weird. These release dates are kind of odd for this film. 
It is in English, and it just happened to be released in Italy last year. Ooh. I don't know. Great. You you Great. made that sound at the exact same moment. I so happened to look at a picture of a baby bird shrugging its wings. So yeah. I'm pretty. This baby bird is just confused. Yeah, it's as confused everything as, I am. as as you are. Uh, uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the next trailer. Yeah, go for it. Um, so there's this trailer that came out, which I'm sure most people have seen. <laughs> <laughs> that bird is shrugging all right. <laughs> it was the exact moment you went. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, we're gonna we'll, uh, we'll post that on the we'll post that on the Facebook page. Yeah, I'll, I'll remember to do that. Um, okay, sorry, sorry, Steve, go ahead. So this trailer came out this week. Most people have probably seen it because, oh, fucking video games, just like everyone that busted their nut over Wreck-It Ralph before it ever came out, which yeah, ended up being a good film, but... Oh, uh, that's debatable. Oh, I mean, I liked it. I don't like it as much as everyone else does. I've gotten... Oh, man, hard... you, see, you see Sonic, he bumped into something, and it's wings fell off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, anyway, um... It's called Pixels, and first of all, starring Adam Sandler, tells you everything you need to know. Uh, sec yep. Second, it seems to be about video games are invading our world and destroying it, but uh, by video games, I mean like three different properties, because that's all the movie studio wanted to pay the rights for. Uh, yep. Let's not get all of the other video games, that would be crazy. At least Disney went all out, you know? I'll at least mm -hmm. give them credit there. At least they were just like, yeah, fuck you, Metal Gear Solid, who gives a shit? Sonic, fuck yeah. Street Fighter, uh, that beer video game that fucking only existed for one week. Let's throw that in there. This... Yeah, I wish I could find a list of the stuff that's been licensed, because I am reading, like, they have Space Invaders, obviously, Pac-Man, apparently Frogger. Yeah. Donkey Kong, so, and there's apparently um, some others, but I can't find a complete list. Yeah, um, so it's one of... The special effects look amazing, and I fully admit to that. Those effects look fantastic. The way the pixels move, the way they look, and the way that and the how they all have like kind of like a CTR TV glow to them mm -hmm. is really cool. But the movie looks like dog shit. Um, it looks like it's unfunny. Like there's no inspiration with it. Um, they have for ghosts to fight Pac-Man. They have cars, which is weird. I don't know how that will work logically at all. And they try to make this a big deal by having the creator of Pac-Man. Oh, uh, someone brought to my attention that that entire scene is like the shot for shot from a film called Moontrap. That also, I, you might have seen it. it. has Bruce Campbell in it. Oh, I haven't seen Moontrap. It's a 1980... Shit. Uh, it's mid-80s film called Moontrap where... Uh, if I remember correctly, I watched the trailer for it because the scene that they rip that they rip off is in the trailer. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you when we're done recording, and I'll okay. post it on the Facebook page. The whole scene there about, hey, hey, dude, let's talk to it, and it does it fucking bites his hand. He's like, oh, I kill the thing. That that entire same scene happens in fucking Moontrap. Okay. So well, I brought that to my attention. I was like, oh, yeah, that that's good. Good job, guys. I'll play slight devil's advocate and say that I've seen scenes similar to that in a lot of stuff. That's true. It doesn't doesn't it makes it more hacking. I guess. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like so that's not a defense, but it may not be an outright ripoff of that specific movie in that specific scene. That's but it doesn't mean it's original. Right. But it does right. not mean it's original at all. Um, the list I have here. So uh, I did find a list. Uh, they got Pac-Man, Frogger, Donkey Kong. Uh, see, Asteroids, Breakout, Centipede, Missile Command, Galaga, Dig Dug, which I. I think that could be funny to see something happen with that. Uh, Qbert, Space Invader. I hope that dig the Dig Dug guy comes through the ground in front of someone, shoots that person yes. with his vacuum cleaner, and then causes them to explode in blood and guts. Yeah, that's that, that's exactly what I thought about, and I hope that's where they go with it. They won't. They won't. I don't even know. Is the film PG thirteen or? Oh, you know it'll be. Yeah, I mean that's one. That's the only thing I, I thought about watching the trailer for this. Is I said if this movie was like a rated R dark comedy, it could probably be really good. But from yeah. the trailer, I have no, no hopes that that's the case. It looks like Paul Blart Mall Cop style comedy. Yeah, I mean it's a Happy Madison uh, production. Yeah. Um, so the other piece of information with this film is that it's based on a 2009 short film called Pixels, which was like two and a half minutes long of just this guy who messed around in, with CG to put these pixelated video games in the real world destroying stuff for fun. Mm -hmm. And it was two and a half minutes long and that's it. I guess fucking 
Uh, Adam Sandler, just Happy Madison, saw the shit and went, hey, we can make a two-hour-long movie out of that. Let's do it. Yep. And they got the guy who made the original short to work on the story for the feature. Um, but that means nothing to me because there was no story in the short. Yeah. <laughs> and the story is so hackneyed. It's like, oh, these video game things are attacking. So we have to get people who are like video game champions in the 1980s to mm-hmm. fight them. Hey, you know what? You know who did this? Fucking Futurama. Yeah. It's like That's the thing when I heard about this movie coming out last year at San Diego. They had a whole like... Remember, I think you might have heard about this back when Tron Legacy was coming out. They basically made a Flynn's Arcade down in the gas lamp. Yes, and they also, yeah, they, they also had that Flynn's Arcade in um, Disneyland for a while, which was awesome. Yeah, I heard about that. But uh, basically, they had another club that they closed off and put an arcade in there to promote pixels. Oh, I didn't realize that. Last year, like, they hear hand out sunglasses that have, like, you know, look kind of pixelate, like, you know, look like 8-bit sunglasses and shit like that for it and everything. But no, I, yeah, and yeah. So um, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, the the general story is just like, yeah, that's that's Futurama, guys. That's that's the plot from Futurama. Cool. So if you want to see pixels, go watch Futurama. Yeah, that 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 this entire movie seems like that epi- that one episode. I I bet the episode is way better written. Well, yeah, because it's Futurama. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Okay. But yeah, and uh, Peter Dinklage is in it, and he uh, looks like... I, I have to wonder how badly he needed that paycheck. Uh, well, fucking money's money. Fucking Ben you know, Kingsley has been in total dog shit because it pays. I don't true. I don't knock working actors for being in shit, because it's a job. I've worked... I, you, know, you know what? I worked only day jobs. I worked some shit day jobs that I hated because I wanted money. And, you know, when as I became more of a working actor or filmmaker, I've acted in dog shit that I don't care about because it paid. Um, so just because they make way more money than me does not mean that suddenly they can turn down any role that comes their way. Especially Peter Dinklage, uh, which, no offense to the guy, he's a great actor. He's a really, really good actor. And even though we are progressing to the point where we can cast uh, little people without them being a fucking joke, which is great... Uh, still not that many roles for, uh, little people and dwarves. So if someone comes up to him and says, hey, we want to give you money for this, he probably can go, yeah, okay, I like money. Oh, that's right, he was a Knights of Badass, so never mind, he'll just take any fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Never mind, I don't, I don't know why, I think I have to put Peter Dinklage on some level. Which doesn't matter, he, yeah, I, I get your point, he made, you know, making money. There's nothing wrong with that, There's sometimes when you see actors, like, uh, let's say... Let's say Ben Kingsley just got his, you know, just got his uh, Oscar for Gandhi and everything, mm-hmm. and then like the year after, when did um, I don't know um, Transformers? Transformers. <laughs> Let's say he did that. That that's where kind of like what? So I feel the same with Peter Dinklage, who is like super in it right now with the uh, Game of Thrones and everything and all this stuff. And it's just like, yeah, I'm doing this Adam Sandler comedy. Oh. <laughs> I like to think that he told his family and friends that, and they just got really awkward and quiet and stopped talking about acting for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, this Game of Thrones thing is awesome, man. What are you working on next? Oh, an Adam Sandler comedy about fighting Pac-Man. So did you you buy this pizza, or... Uh, I really like cake. Oh, Larry, Larry! Larry! (laughs) Are you still fucking kids? Tell me about that instead. (laughs) Pretty much, (laughs) So that's Pixels comes out July twenty fourth. I don't know what it's opening against. So, woohoo! I'm sure that will that might make money. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that movie has enough going for it that it's gonna make a lot. It might make. I don't know. I've been wrong a lot lately. It might make three hundred fucking million dollars or something. Uh, I mean, it'll make money because it's a family comedy. That's what Happy Madison exists on: safe, l- low-rated comedies that people will see. Grandma and grandma and grandpa like, pretty much t- take their kids. Let's move on to better comedies, at least for the moment being. Uh, for a moment, we'll talk yeah, about for, for a quick moment. Uh, <laughs> this week we decided we wanted to. We we're kind of we like talking about sequels as we often do, and I thought you know what we haven't we've done a lot of sci-fi sequels, so let's do some comedy sequels. And I thought what better way than to start with the two sequels that are the most needless and unnecessary comedy sequels of all time? I'd argue. Yes. Um, so we thought we'd start first, uh, tonight with Caddyshack 2, but before we could talk about Caddyshack 2, it'd be unfair to not 
to, to, to kind of ignore Caddyshack. Yeah, we have to uh, talk about Caddyshack before we talk about Caddyshack 2. Damn fucking right we do. Um, it's been a couple years since I've watched it. Um, cause I just watched it. The other, I watched all these films the other day to make sure I was you know, fresh. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, Caddyshack is so good. It's so good. It is the best golf comedy movie ever made. Yeah. That's very true. I can't argue that. I, uh, I, I do like uh, Happy Gilmore, but, man, Caddyshack is very way way quicker way smarter it absolutely is it pretty much goes caddyshack then i'll then i'll go ahead and give it a happy gilmore followed by dwarf goes golfing um uh, then there's a few other ones then there's then there's caddyshack too. then there's caddyshack too underneath there's all so, of there's those so few movies <laughs> uh, bagger vance bagger vance is on there <laughs> wasn't that a drama yeah fuck it put it on the list no, Will Smith was in it. That means it's funny, right? It had that rap song in the end credits. So, uh, Caddyshack, 1980. Yelling uh, full, man! Yelling full, man! <laughs> directed by Harold Ramis, written by Harold Ramis, uh, Brian Doyle Murray, and Douglas Kenny. Uh, it's Caddyshack. Um, it's not, it's like, there's not necessarily one story, although the main kind of story is about a caddy called Danny Noonan and his goals, and his goals, yeah, I guess his goal to get basically uh, a college scholarship. Yeah. And then there's just a lot of little vignettes that happen throughout the film. A lot of vignettes, which on paper sounds like a terrible idea, but I and I completely give it to not only the writing team, but also Harold Ramis himself as the director. I feel that if almost anyone else directed the film, it would not be as high quality as it is. No, absolutely. I, yeah, it's yeah. You want to talk about how good Harold Ramis is... Man, Caddyshack. Yeah, I mean, it was it, his it feature debut. Shows it. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's great. Um, I don't know. I guess we can just kind of break it down. Uh, like, what are, what are some of your fun, favorite scenes from the film? Um, I think it's a oh, two-second-long scene, but my favorite scene is when a guy... I, for, I don't even remember if it's an actual character or if it's a side character or whatever, but when the guy goes up and tries to buy a Coke... And when he hears the price, he says, I'm going to pay that for a Coke. And the response is, oh, okay, well, then you don't get no Coke. <laughs> it's just two seconds, but I lose my shit every time. Yeah, um, I, I, I just watched That's uh, Brian Doyle Murray plays Lou, who's kind of the head of the caddy shack. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he steps out to Danny takes over, and there's a beef between him and um, another caddy. Kind yeah. Of there. It's fantastic. Uh, actually, my favorite like vignette scene is the one where um, the preacher is going to go golfing because it's raining. So he's out there with uh, Bill Murray's character, who's the ground like the assistant groundskeeper. Yes. <laughs> and like it's getting worse and worse. The guy's, you know, score. Probably he says he's doing the best game of his life. He gets the last hole. He's going to hits it and like it misses. And he starts cursing out God. God like lightning strikes. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. And Bill Murray just puts on the bags and just like walks away. <laughs> And it's funny because that, that's called back later when there's another scene where the preacher's like getting shit faced, and uh, Ted Knight, who plays the uh, head of the like the president of the club, um, yes, Smiles, I think, it was, yeah, Smiles was the name. He's just like you're a preacher for God's sake. He's like there is no God. <laughs> yes, such a great callback. And so I think that whole oh, piece of yeah, I love it so much. Um, I'm trying to think, man. Uh, and Chevy Chase. Oh, Chevy Chase is in perfect form in this film. This, uh, I'm always torn between, honestly, Caddyshack and Christmas Vacation of being Chevy Chase at his peak. Um, mm, yeah. But it's very close. Oh, he's, because in this, he's, like, the script, I I think, I'm trying to remember what I've watched, I listened to, they kind of talked about it. I don't think it was, and I don't think Chevy Chase talked about it, someone else, but I wish I could remember. Um, but talk, I can't. I can't remember if someone said like if this. I think it was all script. I don't think there's a lot of improvising. I think the script was just really tight, yeah. and solid. So I mean, like it's good there, and I guess it's just good work on Chevy because man, his lines are like very quick and smart and great. It's really good. Because like his character Ty Webb is just such a fucking asshole. Yeah, total <laughs> yeah. asshole. Total asshole. But it's like such a like I don't know that smarmy kind of like it's like people who don't really mind it so much. Because mm-hmm. I guess in the kitten story, he's kind of just a. Uh, seems to come off like he's just an inheritance guy who's made all his money just through inheritance and doesn't really take everything super serious, unlike all the other um, members of the Bushwood Country Club. Right. Uh, among them is a guest, Rodney Dangerfield, who's kind of like the other main storyline throughout the film. I'm just being a guy who just does, you know, wants to make fun of the whole place. And it's uh, and it really helped establish Rodney's film career, this movie, because prior mm. to this he was just all about stand-up. 
Yeah, and I remember I did hear some stories of that. Like Harry on set, he was super critical of his acting all the time. Yeah, he's, so used to doing, he's just so used to doing stand up and everything, where he needs that immediate gratification, knowing that he's doing well. But on this, he's just like super freaking out all the time because he's not sure how well he's doing. And I um and and I talk about my own movies a lot. Please, guys, don't think I'm fucking arrogant or that my experiences equal Caddyshack in any way or any movie we talk about. But that's something I've noticed a lot with most stage actors. Um, and the writing's not a stage actor, but that same idea of the instant gratification thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that are used to performing on stage in front of a live audience consistently will think that they're doing terrible on a film set because there's no one there to clap or anything. And most of the time, as a director, I'm usually going like, cut! Okay, that was good. And they're used to... <laughs> so when all they hear is, yeah, okay, moving on, they yeah. always assume the worst. <laughs> oh, that... I did really bad. Uh, I'm going to go uh, develop an eating disorder right now. <laughs> um, trying to think of other things. That, I mean, I don't know. It's a, fil- it's a film that, from beginning to end, all 98 minutes of it are not wasted. Great jokes throughout. It's yeah, consistent it's non-stop fun, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I like Brian Doyle Murray in it, but I love Brian Doyle Murray. And it's always a joy to see him and Bill in the same movie. Yeah. It's always a... a, a fucking treat what's um, funny is it's been so long since i've seen it i forgot brian dolmer is in it because he's so fucking young in this i know i'm so i'm just not used to him seeing him wait whoa 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 like you that. you had dark hair at one point <laughs> i don't like this <laughs> so yeah this, it, that's really funny uh i have to give a special nod to one of the uh actors of the film uh chuck rodent who played mr gopher <laughs> did a really solid job and Mr. Um, Gopher was mostly developed by Bill Murray. Like, mm-hmm. he helped develop that entire thing pretty much himself, which is cool. Yeah. It's not super bad. Um, it's not... I, 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 could, I, could, I guess if I was one critique I could do without the, all the Gopher stuff. There's too much Gopher stuff. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, there's not that much compared to Caddyshack 2. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I might be remembering <laughs> scenes from Caddyshack 2 instead yeah. of Caddyshack 1. Caddyshack isn't nearly that bad when it comes to, as much as you'd remember because like the gopher became the like the mascot of the film right and it's not supposed to be no it isn't um i mean yeah okay so so, I, so what would you rate caddyshack oh five out of five uh i don't love it that much but i probably get like a four and a half you know like it's an almost flawless movie it's super mm. great yeah, I can see that. But I, I think, I don't know, for me, man, it hits all the notes. It's always funny, consistently good throughout, and I'm, I love it, so I, I'd go for five. That's so. totally fair. But I, I, you know, it depends on my day. I just got off watching. If I wait a little while, maybe I could think about it more, maybe be more critical, mm-hmm. maybe maybe four and a half. But no, yeah, anybody who wants to try to say any lower than that, I think they have to get some things figured out. I agree. Because uh, even it's, for a film that came up from 1980, it holds up. It's still, it does hold up, yeah. It doesn't have pacing problems. The, the jokes are still... Like, it's it's relevant, and, yeah. It's not dated. Yeah. It's fantastic. I think uh, I might kick up the score a bit if the gopher had a voice. Um, if only, I, I feel that if they ever did a sequel, I feel if they made the gopher the, like, the mascot of the film and do a lot more gopher scenes, and if we can get someone to voice the gopher, uh, okay. how well, about, got, okay, let's get Megatron. Let's get, okay, we got Frank Welker on the line, okay, let's continue, let's build our perfect Caddyshack sequel. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's uh, wait Aykroyd's eight years. Really hot right now, so we can get Dan Aykroyd in this, uh, because he can't get Bill Murray, so let's kind of, we need someone that's kind of goofy, make a voice, we'll get Dan Aykroyd, he's perfect for that. Now, we really liked Rodney Dangerfield in the first one, but we can't get him back. Who's a good replacement for Rodney Dangerfield? Uh, Jackie Mason. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Get him on board. Uh, who can we get? Okay, we're going to stack in this hard. Now, who can we get back from the first one, at least for a couple scenes? Uh, maybe maybe two or three days of shooting at most. Uh, uh, let's oh. go... Uh, fuck. Uh, can we just... Uh, Chevy Chase is like our third choice. Can we just ask him? Because everyone yeah, else said no. Yeah, he's up to. Oh, he's he's available. Great, we'll get him. And I think we're set. So uh, it's it's been eight years since the first film. Um, I'm sure everyone will be dying to see this film. Dying. Uh, so let's put it out there. Let's put out Caddyshack too, guys. Hey, it's. Hey, who should should we get Harold Ramis to direct this? Oh uh, no, no, we'll be good. We'll get Alan Arkish. Okay. What what has he done? Uh, he's done Rock and Roll High School. You know. Yeah, that yeah fuck it. Let's great. do it. Let's do it's it. Great. Nothing can nothing can fail. Nothing can fail. Uh, so on a budget of $20 million, uh, Caddyshack 2 made a little It cost $20 million? I didn't know it cost $20 million! 
Steve. Shit. You know what? After watching it, yeah, I'm not sure where that twenty million dollars went. Jesus Christ! Holy shit! I mean, there's a lot of actors in the film, but I don't twenty million dollars. Okay, so what's the plot of uh, Caddyshack Two, Bill? Uh, the plot of Caddyshack Two is rich people are bad, poor people are good, even though poor people are fucking assholes to rich people for just because. Okay, sounds good. So yeah. Um, I feel like the, that's the biggest problem with Caddyshack 2. It's just, uh, not as good as Caddyshack. <laughs> After rewatching it, I want, just, I, well, okay, um, I posted on the Facebook page my favorite scene from the, from Caddyshack 2, and that's Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid really makes this movie for me. He does. Hey, Chase. I will say, uh, if I have to make, if we're going to do some pros real quick, I will say Randy Quaid and Chevy Chase are the two reasons to watch this movie. Yeah, I'd say that's totally fair. Because every scene with Chevy Chase as Ty Webb is are great. It's basically his character from the first one, just put right in here. He says some really snarky, smart-ass comments and little jokes, and then he leaves. Great. <laughs> every every scene with him is fantastic. You'd think that this was a much better movie mm-hmm. if you just watched his scenes. Yeah, and you watch the one scene I posted with Randy Quaid. I, that scene to this day makes me laugh so fucking hard. <laughs> it's it's a great scene. I love Randy Quaid, and I'm very sad that he has mental issues that he has not gotten help for. No, and also all- fuck the internet with the just the mindset of oh he acted in a movie, so it's okay to make fun of his mental handicap, like his mental issues. I agree. It's, it's a, I, don't, I don't. I don't think he's as crazy as uh, the media wants to put him off. I, I kind of. I think there is some points to his uh, video he made where he put on a uh, um, shit. What's his name? Um, what some producer? No, it was the guy. It's the guy that owns Fox News Corp. Um, yeah, Rupert Murdoch. Put on the Rupert That's Murdoch right. mask and like like humped his his wife. Yeah, it was fantastic. I thought it was hilarious. Everyone's <laughs> like, "Look how crazy he is!" I'm like, I think he has a point. <laughs> I I think that he uh, needs some help, but also that he was right. Yeah. <laughs> like but I think it's yeah. both of those things. But so the main plot of the film is that Jackie Mason's character plays uh, um, shit. If I can fucking find it, um, Jack Cartoonian, who's basically like a he basically develops um, cheap, affordable housing for poor people. Mm-hmm. And his daughter Kate, it wants to be belong with all the rich Jeopardy folks at Bushwood Country Club. So he tries to get a membership there and everything, and then when the country people don't like him and try to screw you know screw him over for a lot of things basically by shutting down all means of his producing his his construction company from building houses and stuff he basically goes to ty webb buys the country club and destroys it ruins it mm-hmm. basically makes these people's lives miserable right i think that's was a hard time uh wanting to cheer for him for jack jackie mason's characters because he's kind of just an asshole yeah he kind of comes off as the big baby prick where it's like these people are mean to me, and I and I get to say sometimes his daughter's kind of a bitch too. It's like I want to be like these rich people, and you're not like that and stuff. I mean, she eventually comes around, but <laughs> yeah. But Jackie Mason's character, man, he just he comes off such an unlikable asshole. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, there's not much to say about Caddyshack too. Literally, everything is a major downgrade from the first film. Yeah, and I will say I I don't think it deserves all the hate it gets. No, no. I, I think I, I I don't remember if I just said this or not. Um, I think its biggest problem is its name is Caddyshack too. Yeah. If it if it's just named something else. <laughs> if it was I, like I a spinoff or an just an original golf movie. Yeah, just uh, just throw a different name on it. Change uh, Chevy Chase's character. Change the con- the country club's name from some to something else. Just make it. Just change those couple things. I don't think it'd be hated on. It'd be for- completely forgot, forgotten, forgotten, forgotten. Yeah. Completely forgot. Uh, uh, ah, Jesus. For- Forgettable comedy from the late '80s that everyone was kind of forgotten about. It has some cult love, which I'm sure it has some cult love now. But otherwise, it's it's yeah. I wouldn't have the ire that it it, it has currently in pop culture. I agree. Uh, so um, not good, will, but not total dog shit. I don't. Yeah, think. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with it is definitely the gopher. It looks like <laughs> looks awful compared to the first. It does film. look awful, and it has too many scenes. It's like it's like the again. I think the people when they made this thought the gopher is the most popular thing about Caddyshack, so they feature a lot of gopher in this movie. A lot of gopher. A lot of gopher doing goofy things and then dancing. Uh-huh. And this is another one of those weird Dan Aykroyd choices. Yeah. Dan, what's up with the voice? Yeah. That's Why a, are you doing that? That's a really weird choice. 
And I don't, I don't quite feel like it's just them wanting to have. I, I, I joked about this earlier. I don't quite think it was them wanting to have a Bill Murphy, a Bill Murphy, Bill Murray. <laughs> they really needed um, a Bill Murphy character. They did. I, I could have, I could have knocked out of the park. Um, I don't think it's a Bill Murray replacement because I don't know. If they wanted to do that, they could have made him a groundskeeper. They didn't have a groundskeeper in this movie. If they really wanted to go that route. I feel like people unfairly kind of attack uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, saying it's just a. Bill Murphy. He's like, fuck. He's <laughs> doing it. If it, makes you know you, I mean. if it makes you feel any better, my mother always, when referring to you, says Bill Murray. So you're just balancing it. That's fine. Every time I post on someone's thing on Facebook, someone thinks I'm Bill Murray, so I don't know. Just go you with it. I mean. You know what I mean? Like, people, I think, are unfairly uh, putting that on Dan Aykroyd. Yes. I completely so. agree. I, I didn't quite see it as much when I was rewatching it yesterday, so... So yeah, of the two, which uh, which film do you think is better? Uh, well, Frank Welker <laughs> is in the second one, so the second one. I guess if we want to give her star ratings, what would you give Caddyshack to? Two? Yeah. I think that's why I gave it. I, I, I made it a two and a half, because I, like I said, I really like that scene of Randy Quaid. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about my method. First, I come to your house, I beat down your door <laughs> with a fucking baseball bat! <laughs> That entire like thirty seconds, like him, his talk about hit the the, uh, oh shit, I just forgot the name of his character. Um, uh, the Peter Blunt method. <laughs> the Peter Blunt method, yeah, it's a good method. Of, of, of law, <laughs> so good, so good. Uh, so moving on, uh, to a comedy that's not necessarily as good as Caddyshack, but I I think it has a lot of charm. I love the first one. So, we're going to talk about the 1989 film, Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. Um, I like Weekend at Bernie's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's such a, it's a ridiculous concept, but holy shit, do they go all the way with it. It's such a great dark comedy. It's a great dark comedy, and there's not enough of those, especially, like, anymore. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. There's Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain's a great dark comedy. Pain and Gain's the best dark comedy in the past ten years. I completely will stand by that statement. Oh, absolutely. If people out there, if you haven't seen Pain and Gain, just kind of avoid it, because Michael Bay, oh man, you're you're missing out. Okay, so uh, Larry and Richard get invited by their boss, Bernie Lomax, played miraculous, fantastically by Terry Kaiser. Yeah. Um, because they discovered in the, that he's been committing insurance fraud, but they don't know that it's him, so his plan is to murder the shit out of them and get off scot-free. Long story short, he's the one that gets killed, but they don't want to be... A, they don't want to be uh, suspected of murder... B, they got the super sweet beach house, and Richard is trying to get laid. So what's the best thing that you could possibly do in this situation, Bill? Um, just pretend that he's alive. Which is funny, because they don't actually do a ton by themselves. It's like everyone at this party, when they first, like, the first night he dies, like, this party shows up, and no one is realizing that he is dead. Yeah. Because they are so full of themselves and stuck, the stuck-up, snobby rich people. Yeah. That they, they just don't get it. And they're all and just getting that, more and more drunk. Oh, that, scene, that entire segment at that party is so funny. <laughs> Because uh, people are just walking up, talking to him. There's a lady that, like, takes the, like, heroin out of his pocket and, like, doesn't care. Like, no one is getting it. No one is. <laughs> and, that, and, like, um, uh, Andrew McCarthy's character, uh, uh, um, Larry. Larry realizes it because he just wants to have a good time because he's so tired of being, you know, a dumpy office worker in a shitty apartment in New York. Yeah. And so he's just, he's just like, no, like, I like his realization. It's like, but. Like, they keep walking around, it's like, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep, they, him and Larry and Richard keep telling people, like, but, you know, he's dead, right? And they're just like, oh, they just, like, laugh it off and all this stuff. <laughs> oh, and then just, just from there, of them trying to figure it out, like, what to do with them, and then then figuring out that he wanted to kill them, and they get really upset, because they thought he really liked them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, um, the name of the actor uh they played uh yeah um don calfa as paulie who's the mob hired hitman who kills bernie lomax yeah and how he just keeps running into hit bernie how often he runs into bernie is amazing and my favorite Uh, running gag of the film especially when bernie accidentally fights him i know because larry dumps him off the deck and he lands behind paulie and like his arms are out of throat I'll give so much props to Terry Kaiser. He plays such a, like, he's great as just being, like, I know, a dead man. He's so good at just, like, ragdolling and just kind of, like, body comedy to, like, move his body around to smack around people and just do weird, goofy shit. He had his permanent smirk on his face. 
<laughs> it's so good. Uh, do you have any? Uh, there, what are your favorite scenes? Right, aside I, from I, what we just said. <laughs> I took some notes. Um, Mine is uh, aside from, is like one of my favorite scenes. Absolutely, is when Bernie is fighting this fucking mobster. Um, but the other one is Bernie and uh, Richard playing Monopoly together with his <laughs> arms strung up. <laughs> Hi, ladies. <laughs> and then uh, Richard comes out and sees it and like, whoa. My what are you doing? Just play Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, you know, the party one, um, like some early bits, like where... Uh, um, they think the boat's leaving, so they <laughs> jump on the boat, only to find out the boat's not leaving. It's, it's docking. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess, um, they try to take his boat to leave the, take to leave, leave the Hamptons, mm-hmm. and then it runs out of gas, so they have to float back to shore on Bernie's corpse. Yes. There's a scene is just full, this, the movie's just full of tons of fantastic scenes like that. Um, I try to think if there's any other major things, um, I like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, Andre, the Bernie. last scene being a kid burying Bernie in the sand. That kid was such a little asshole. <laughs> he was. Uh, the woman had there's a like all films where someone's dead that are try- that they don't realize a woman has sex with Bernie's corpse. Absolutely. Um, which I think that that's really funny. And like, her attitude, like she's so happy about she's it. And so so I had to wonder, it's like how'd that work? Well, I guess he had uh, angel lust. Clearly. Angel Lust, uh, for those who don't know, is when, as a corpse, you get an erection. Well, those are pretty baggy pants he's wearing. They are pretty baggy pants, so I assume Bernie has a tiny penis. Yeah, so that's what I was getting at. Cause I'm like, I, obviously, in Clerks, it makes sense. Yes. Because the guy died with an erection. Did Was Bernie just walking around with that bone popped? What's going on The there? whole time. whole time. He's Bernie Lomax, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so how would you rate Weekend of Bernie's? Um, it's not the best, but it's good. I think uh, I'd give it three and a half. I'd, three and a half, maybe maybe closer to a four, but three and a half I think is a very fair score for it. I'd give it a solid four, personally. I have a lot of fun with it. It's super funny to me. It's totally fair. Always made me laugh, and it's it's a quality dark comedy. It sure. it knows what it is, and it does what it is well. Yes. Uh, the film uh, had a budget of fifteen million, made thirty million, so that was respectable. And doubled its bu- budget. Absolutely. Um, so uh, we moved into. Well, let's. What would make Weekend of Bernie's better? I got it. Magic. Yep. Better. All right. <laughs> you know what make Weekend of Bernie's better? Nothing. It was fine the way it was. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Nope. We need magic. But it made money. So here comes the sequel. Fortunately, it wasn't years, it wasn't eight years later at least. No, it was four years later, and it's noticeable. <laughs> yep. Uh, especially in um, Andrew McCarthy, his hair looks yeah, okay. Here, okay. Um, Steve knows this because I was posting on Facebook while I was watching Weekend at Bernie's too. Uh, the movie shits the bed in the first eight minutes. <laughs> Please tell the audience. <laughs> okay. Well, first off, you get uh, it's the the great sign of a great early 90s movie. Uh, there's animated opening credits that look like garbage. They look like dog shit. Holy shit, they look like dog shit. It's funny because like, in the animation, they painted in people's names of the crew, but then they'd have a title card over it saying, like, edited by. It's like you guys couldn't paint that into the fucking animation when you're making it. Oh, no. Why, why would they do that? Well, we know uh, Edward Mori III is going to be our cinematographer, no, no, we, oh, sorry. We know he's going to be in this movie. We just don't know if he's going to be the cinematographer yet. So let's just paint his name in there. We'll figure that part out later. <laughs> we'll figure the other part out later. Um, no, because like, this film, Weekend Marines 2 takes place right after the first movie. Immediately after. Because basically the first movie is Labor Day weekend, so that following Monday, they, which is hilarious how quickly they were done with talking to the police and everything else. Yeah. They go into the office of their insurance company to be told, hey, we think you're in on it with Bernie Lomax. Why did you go to his house and all this stuff? Mm-hmm. We think you stole the money. Hey, Which is ridiculous. Dumb, hey, you dumb fucks. D- during the first movie, there's plenty of evidence that Bernie was setting them up to be killed and that because because he's the one who stole the money and wanted to set them, make them take the fall. You can talk to the police. Like So <laughs> in the first eight minutes, they completely shit the bed in that regard because like, hey, the entire plot of the second movie makes zero sense because it contradicts what happened in the first fucking movie. Yep, absolutely agreed. 
What are you fucking idiots doing? It, that oh, that pissed me off. On top of the fact that um, during the first movie, um, I forget the uh, was it Tawny? Was it Tawny? That was the the love interest. I forget offhand. Shit, I, I'm I'm trying to look at it real quick. <laughs> um, no, it was Gwen. Sorry, Gwen by Catherine Catherine Stewart. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so the entire first movie, uh, Richard is having a crush on Gwen, and then by the end, they're all like, "Hey, we're together." Uh, right off the beginning of the second movie, she's disappeared. She's gone. There's no mention of her ever. Nope. Great. <laughs> I love I love it when movies do that. So yeah, right off the first eight minutes of the film, uh, Weekend at Bernie's Two loses me completely. And I, from then on, I'm just sitting there, just not having a very good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, so these voodoo guys. Uh, oh, you mean Black Larry and Richard? Yes, Black Larry and who Black are Richard. Infinitely better than Black. Uh, sorry, better than White Larry and Richard. Honestly. <laughs> Uh, so they perform, they're sent by a voodoo queen named Mobu, which is the most racist thing I've seen in a while, um, to do this voodoo ceremony so that Bernie will walk to his money and then this voodoo queen can be a millionaire. I don't understand the... No, the mob hires the Mobu. That's right. Because they want their, but no, this is like, this is like some Colombian group. So apparently Bernie Lomax just fucking owed money to everybody. Jesus, Bernie. Um... He, uh, they hire the Mobu to find their money. So she, it's like two, um, Charles and Henry, played by Tom Wright and Steve James. I think I put two actors right because um, I don't have pictures on them. Um, they they stumble on this what they think is a party <laughs> during Carnival down in the down the Virgin Islands, and so she makes them go to uh, New York and get Bernie. Which this is when the movie gets kind of weird because the Virgin Islands are kind of kind of a good distance away from New York, really far. So the sun is setting while they're on the island in that scene, and like the next scene, you see them. It's dark again. It's like the same day, like the same evening. They are in New York, going to get Bernie's body. Phil, voodoo, voodoo, hoodoo. You do, do what? Um, Remind me of the babe. Yeah, dance, magic, dance, dance, magic, dance. Thank you for not backing me up on that entire joke. Yeah, I was letting you. You started the ball rolling. I was going to let that ball roll all the way to the bottom of the hill, and I catch it. Good job. I got hit by a truck trying to achieve the ball. Well, fortunately, I got this voodoo thing, so whenever I play music, you will just continue to do the podcast. Yeah, so when Larry and Richard kind of disappear from the film, uh, we follow um, Henry and Charles as they... Tr- I have to say, like, this is where the film... Actually, this is parts of the film I actually really like, is watching them just trying to figure out this voodoo shit. Yeah, because they don't know the voodoo uh, shit. They, they go to... It's funny, I like that they go to 42nd Street and go to a porno theater to do all this magic. Yes. I thought that was really funny. Um, so yeah, they bring, they do the voodoo curse, but they forget a chicken, so they grab a pigeon, and now Bernie Lomax. No, they lose the they lose the they chicken, lose the so chicken. Like, and one of one of them is like, "Well, we like there's a rotisserie chicken in the window, and they're out looking." They're like, like well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they so they go for pigeon, and they think that's what causes their curse to screw up, to where Bernie will only go towards the money when music is playing. Yes. Um, so that's kind of the crux of the entire film. His music has to be playing. Or, or, or I guess it also causes the hijinks to start. The hijinks start. Music's randomly playing someplace, and then Bernie will just start wa- doing do, doing the Bernie, which is the the, the southern uh, rap dance that became really popular like three years ago. It's based on this kind of. Although it's not yeah, even yeah. correct. Like the the Bernie is not the fucking swing hey, around hey, that everyone does. Hey, it's le- hey, hey, hey. he leans back and he moves forward completely stiff, except for his head. Hey, you know what? You're expecting people to watch Weekend at Bernie's too. Oh, you're right. That's my bad. You're bad. Okay, so it's a bunch of hijinks. Fucking keeps listening to music. Keep trying to get the money. Uh, they return the two million to the insurance company. But hey, actually, they stole Bernie stole three million, and Larry and Richard get to keep one million. Also, Richard's a virgin. Let's just mention that. Yeah. Also, Black Larry and Black Richard are goats. Yep. Which is terrible for them. It's not their fault. Uh, this movie tries desperately to be. Uh, <laughs> Trying to be the the dark comedy that the first one is, except it gets preposterous. Like hey, this body is several days old, and first off, they get it on a plane and through customs to the Virgin Islands in a suitcase. In a suitcase. Uh, that Larry that is clearly a dummy when Larry was shoving it into it because that body should be mangled and broken to pieces. Absolutely. 
and it's not. And they get there, and he's smelling, so they stick him in a fridge. With a bunch of, like, air freshener. And then that night, there's music. He dances out. A woman, apparently... Fucks him again. Goes with him. No, she doesn't fuck him. She just lays him all night, apparently, on the beach. But never realizes that, A, he's dead. And, B, he should smell, because they've already established he smells terrible. <laughs> Especially down in that southern climate. Uh, <laughs> uh, Barry Bostwick is in this. Oh, I forgot Barry Bostwick was in it. As the insurance, the guy from the insurance yep. company, trying to see if they're. He, he's and he's, he's the mob guy in this one. He's the no, one that keeps saying Bernie. Yeah, the same thing is here, but I, I just thought about this. He's basically Sam O'Neill, Sam O'Neill's character from In the Mouth of Madness, oh, trying to yep. prove, trying to find this insurance fraud. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So now I'm just hope I, I want. I really wish this movie was remade of Sam O'Neill, just like. This is not reality. <laughs> uh, Bernie is a Cthulhu-style Lovecraftian god. Bernie Bernie just walks up one like into a into a in dream and goes, "Do you read Sutter Kane?" Uh, so uh, I would ask about favorite scenes, but I I kind of just agree with you. Like all of the scenes with Henry and Charles are legitimately um, funny to me. The scene where the underwater scene the, where Bernie has the headphones walking underwater that's pretty impressive that's my i was going to say that's my favorite scene honestly and the only the only good payoff from the entire barry bostwick keep thinking he's seen bernie lomax is the one reason the sub yes and he's, he's been told to keep it cool from the chief of police and everything you know be calm there's nothing on there so he's trying to take a relaxing little sub oh, really? and he sees outside. him again <laughs> he looks over when everyone no one else sees him he's like bernie <laughs> he tries to open the sub hatch underneath the water yeah he's like i need out of here <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, those are, those are it. Um, worst scenes, everything else. I don't think there's anything redeeming about this movie as, as a whole. No need for it to exist. So what would you rate Weekend of Bernie's 2? Uh, uh, Bernie one, Harder. One, st- one star. Okay, I would give it 2. Um, because it does make me laugh. And, you know, I will not go out of my way to watch it, but if I'm forced to see it again while I won't super enjoy it, I it, it'll make me laugh again. I don't know why, but I this is the movie. This is the of the two. I watched this one all the time when I was a kid. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if it's just on uh, TV a lot or or what. I, mean, I might have had it on VHS, but I didn't have the first one because I I remember watching Weekend at Bernie's two all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was just funny. A little piece <laughs> of uh, tidbit for you, Bill. Um, I worked with Terry Kaiser on a movie. Uh, there was some terrible film whose name I won't mention. That was filmed in Wheeling, West Virginia awful film but terry kaiser was in it and working with him we talked a lot you know like at the bar and stuff afterwards terry kaiser owns the rights to weekend of bernie's does he really yes and he really wants to make weekend of bernie's three at his age of 75 yes uh he says Um. that he's been reading scripts ever since 1995 but he just can't find a script that he likes enough to want to make but they made Weekend at Bernie's 2. That was before he owned the rights, Bill. Let's be fair. I don't care. <laughs> like, it, no, quality is not something you should be striving for anymore. Uh, so, you know, eventually maybe we'll see Weekend at Bernie's 3 and Bernie will age exponentially, uh, but still be dead. You know what? I'll give him credit. If they make that movie and they never explain why his, his, his body is so much has actually aged but not decomposed... And they get um, Jonathan Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy back. That would be great if they could actually get and they, back. And they basically play the same roles. They're still in, like, dead-end jobs at the insurance company and everything. It takes place the day after Weekend of Bernie's 2. Yeah, if they do that and don't try, don't explain anything, I'd actually give the film a lot of props and credits. Yeah. And, I'm, and I, I might might give it a shot. Or the twist is that, is that Bernie has actually been alive this whole time. He just wakes up. He just wakes up. Man, that was a great. That was a great. <laughs> that was I don't great. care that I was shot, <laughs> eaten by a shark, dragged underwater, hit by trees, punched in the face, punched in the dick several times. I was just taking a nap. I'm fine now. <laughs> I got better. I got better. Uh, so oh, yeah. Shit. So Weekend Bernie's two. As much as it makes me laugh, um, and Caddyshack two. As much as it's not terrible as people make it out to be, did not need to exist at all it brings nothing to the table needless sequels yeah and i think many times a lot of people make arguments other sequels being very needless but i feel like these films add nothing to the franchise actually i would say they killed the franchises as much as i guess you could call either the first films franchises they they killed the potential of franchises 
for sure. Like, there could have been something there that you could have done. There could have been a Weekend of Bernie's 2, and there could have been a Caddyshack 2, and if they weren't these movies, it could have continued. Yeah, we don't, yeah, there's a lot of of good potential that was thrown down the shitter. So, as always, guys, you can find us at moviefilmswithbillandsteve.tumblr.com. You can email us at moviefilmswithbillandsteve at gmail.com. And you can find us on, on iTunes. Just search for Movie Films with Bill and Steve. Or if you just type in Movie Films, I'm sure you can find that as well. And, of course, there, you can always find us on Facebook where, we make, uh, where I at least try to make posts about what's going on. Like um, like if we, what we mentioned today and stuff, I'll try to remember to make some posts. And uh, you can find me on Twitter for a more personal Lovable Bill experience at Lovable Bill. You can check out my films at silverspotlightfilms.com and also facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms. Check out the trailers, check out news, pictures, all that jazz. Oh, that sounds great. And and as always, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. Hey, everybody. We're all going to get laid.